Hello, Pixel Peeps. Welcome to Images Everything with your host, the Pixel Pimp himself, Rav Holly. What is up, Pixel Peeps? Uh, It's your host, Rav Holly. Welcome to another episode of Images Everything. This is going to be episode number seven. Wow. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Um, Glad to have you with us here tonight. Wow, actually, it's morning. Uh, It's actually one Thursday on Thursday morning, and I have to have the podcast ready for uh, and up and uploaded by 3 p.m., and I have actually got a large photo shoot today that I have to be on. Uh, the rehearsal for the shoot is three hours away. I live in Joshua Tree, uh, California, which is in the Mojave Desert, but it's a very big desert. And uh, the shoot is going to be over by where the uh, Virgin Atlantic, uh, not Virgin Atlantic, the Virgin Galactic uh, aircraft crashed about a week ago, which is about a three hour drive for me. So. Man, I'm burning the midnight oil. I've still got to get packed because I'm going to be there Thursday and Friday. Uh, We're going through rehearsal tomorrow. Then the actual shoot will be on Friday. It's a big commercial shoot, probably one of the biggest I've ever been on. Uh, So I've got a lot of things in the iron that's going on. And and then I have a wedding uh, back in L.A. or in Long Beach on Sunday. And... uh, my uh, good buddy Daniel McSween, who is a very amazing fashion photographer that lives, uh, he used to live just uh, right down the street from my studio, and uh, he actually used to use my studio on occasion in Long Beach when I had it. Um, he was going to be my second shooter, but he's uh, out doing his own thing, and he's out of town uh, on a job, so he actually could not second shoot this, so he recommended another shooter for me, and so I scrambled to get a hold of him today and do everything I've got to do with reading all of the uh, stuff I got from the producer for the shoot tomorrow, so it's just been a real hectic day, and then for some reason yesterday... I was going to record the podcast, but I actually decided yesterday that I was going to move everything from my iMac and move it over to my old Dell XPS M1530, which is my old laptop I think I purchased back in 2009. And uh, I'm going to just dedicate this laptop to the podcast so I can actually take the podcast mobile and it can be with, it can go with me. So I've actually produced several of the shows now on my iMac and uh, I'm using a program that's called Audacity that's an open source program. I've got actual, I can, I've actually did one or two podcasts uh, on the Mac and uh, God, not Pro Tools, I have Pro Tools, but in GarageBand. And, uh, but I decided to go with the Audacity so I could move it from platform to platform from Windows back to Mac or whatever if I wanted to. Unfortunately, my files won't open when I bring them over from the Mac onto the PC. So I had to do some scrounging and actually, uh, just kind of recreate the wheel again and, uh, move a bunch of stuff around, but, uh, using Dropbox and, uh, it actually has worked out okay. So we're back up and running. I've got a whole uh, different system now just dedicated to the podcast. And I'm uh, actually very happy with uh, 
what I did. It was well worth the effort. It just took a lot longer than I expected. I had several little quirks, which is the way everything goes when you're trying to do something like that. <clears throat> it never goes as smooth as you think it's going to. I can say I am working on the podcast diligently. I'm also uh, producing some YouTube videos for my YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked out any of those, please do. Uh, you can just Google or just hit me in the search Rav Holly in the YouTube search or it's Rav listed as Rav Photos on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I didn't use my name way back in 2006 when I started my YouTube channel, and I'm not sure how to change it if I even can. I think I can. Uh, one thing I will say I am working on is trying to make this podcast a little bit more professional. Uh, even with my guest, I've actually been just kind of winging it and uh, saying a lot of us, us, us. So I'm trying to break myself from going, mm, and trying to break myself from repeating myself. Uh, I've never been like a professional radio personality or anything like that. I'm just a photographer that's trying to produce a decent show for you to listen to. And I've got some bad habits when I'm talking that I'm trying to break. So one of those is going, uh, every 15 minutes. So please bear with me why I consciously try to make sure I don't do that anymore. But I'm also uh, putting some programming together and uh, putting a format together. So, uh, I can have some talking points and stuff like that. So if there's something that you would like to hear me talk about on the show, feel free to uh, hit me up on social media. Uh, you could actually join uh, in a f- uh, Facebook group that I actually host on Facebook that is called, you can search for it on Facebook. It's a group called Photo Junkie, Photo Addicts Only, and uh, join us in there. If you have any questions or anything, you can uh, definitely get a hold of me in there. Uh, You can hit me up on Facebook. You can add me at Rav Holly. Uh, You can even check out my business page, Rav Media Group LLC on Facebook. You can email me directly if you'd like to at ravholly at gmail.com. I would love to answer your questions, anything that you have. Uh, Let's see. Well, I believe that's going to uh, put all the talking points out there on this show. I'm actually going to be the the main topic is going to be JPEG versus raw in uh, photo junkies. We've been having some discussion on that. Uh, Should you shoot JPEG or should you shoot raw? And uh, my first episode was another one of those old burning uh, questions of photography. Uh, Do you shoot? Should you own a a Canon or a Nikon? So uh, if you haven't, if you haven't checked that show out, that was episode one, go back, give a listen and I'll tell you what I thought about that. But anyway, uh, we've got a few more talking points, about seven listed for this show. So uh, we will be right back and we're going to get it going. Let's do this. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Let's go.
guys. We are back again. I just wanted to thank you all for tuning in uh, to the podcast. It really means a lot to me uh, just to uh, let you know when, you know, I'd been looking at doing a podcast for many, many years. And in 2009, I really got serious about it and made the, you know, kind of made the confirmation to myself that I was actually going to do this, do a podcast at some time. I just wasn't sure uh, about how to go about it, you know, and how to produce it. Uh, I didn't really know anything about sound stuff, but I made the promise to myself that uh, at some point I was going to do my own podcast. Uh, And uh, I really made a push to do it in 2009 and uh, talked to several people about helping me me produce it, uh, helping be a co-host, my friend Oliver. uh, I'd ask him to co-host it with me and he was down, but unfortunately, you know, just trying to make a living and stuff in LA, it's so expensive and you really have to dedicate a lot of your time when you're a freelance photographer to hustling up work, you know, so you can survive. So I just didn't ever have time to actually make it happen. And uh, moving out here to Joshua Tree has given me, you know, a new a new lease kind of. And uh, the podcast was one of the things, you know, I really wanted to uh, sink some time into. Uh, and, you know, the years that I read about podcasting all the way from back of you know, the Donna YouTube, 2005, 2006, I'd gotten interested in podcasting and vlogging. Um, but it actually takes, you know, it takes some umph on your own end to actually put yourself out there in that much of a public spotlight. And I really didn't think I had the confidence at that time to do it. And I really didn't have the confidence. It's taken a long time to build up to uh, actually take the step to step out there and make this happen. And, uh, one of the things I read, though, that, you know, it goes back, uh, I can I keep referring to was, you know, I read a thing that said, don't get discouraged when you first start your podcast, because probably for the first six months, three to six months, you're probably going to be talking to yourself mostly. Uh, you know, unless you're a celebrity, uh, a YouTube celebrity, an online celebrity already or something, you know, it's going to be hard to get people to pay attention to you and get people to listen to your podcast. So don't get discouraged and quit because so many people do. Um, and I remember the number was uh, on the article that I read was that it was 100. It said if you can get 100 downloads within the first three to six months, you're actually doing good because it, it gave an example of about like a, you know, like a, a sermon at a church or, you know, like a, a priest or a preacher uh, giving a sermon uh, at a church. And uh, if they get a hundred parishioners on Sunday or a hundred in their congregation or to preach to, that's a really good number. So I kind of looked at it like that, you know, uh, uh, I know nowadays that this article was a couple of years ago, uh, but I know nowadays, you know, it's, it's much more, it's like YouTube. It's, it's much more important to get subscribers to your, to your uh, podcast that are going to listen to all your episodes than the individual downloads. But I'm still very happy with the individual downloads that I've got because this is episode seven, which means we're about seven weeks in. I think I missed one week of podcasting one Thursday because of technical difficulties. Actually, I don't think I missed. I have made it up on Saturday. It was just a couple of days late with the podcast, but I did make it up. So actually, I haven't missed a week. Uh, every There's been a show every week since I started, uh, but we are at over 200 downloads. So I'm doing something right. 
I'm very excited about that and about the number. Hopefully it continues to grow. Sometimes these things, you know, when you get, when they're new, people listen to the beginning, but if they don't find it interesting, they won't listen anymore. So hopefully you find the show interesting. I'm trying to uh, bring up some better dialogue and talking points uh, to uh, keep you guys interested. Unfortunately, this week we don't have a guest uh, on the show. I'm really busy with photo shoot preparation going on right now. Uh, this shoot I'm doing, uh, working on Thursday, tomorrow, and or actually today and Friday is one of the largest clients I work for. And so it can be a daunting, actually a daunting task. It used to be very exciting, but now I get a little bit uh, overwhelmed by it, but I still love it. And I'm definitely not complaining about it. And uh, they treat me very well, pay for all my hotel, my accommodations. You know, I'm going to drive myself there, but you know, they were going to send, you know, if I needed transportation, they would send transportation for me. They, uh, emailed the producer, emailed me tonight, making sure that I had accommodations, everything and had a way to get there and everything. So it's really nice when, uh, when you work for a, a large corporate account and, uh, or brand and they really take care of their people. So anyway, um, that's all I wanted to kind of say about the podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit more later on in the episode about why I decided to podcast and, um, and give you an idea about why I decided I wanted to be a podcaster. Uh, but we're going to, uh, like I said, I've actually got a format for the show. This is the first time. So bear with me if I stumble around a little bit because I'm actually reading notes to where every other episode I've just kind of been winging it, you know, kind of like Howard Stern and all of them do instead of actually coming up with a format, but, uh, to keep from getting, uh, to keep from getting uh, tongue twisted and, and hung up, I decided to, uh, bring up some key issues or some bring up, or decided to bullet point some issues, uh, on a format that I can read off and kind of, uh, touch base on. So, uh, I wanted to tell you guys that if you don't know, I mentioned it earlier, I do have a Facebook group on Facebook called Photo Junkie. Uh, it's, you can search, it's called Photo Junkie, uh, Photo Junkie, uh, Photo Addicts Only. And uh, the uh, URL is Askville Photo. And uh, we're kind of a little secret group. We have a little, just pushed over a little bit over 200 members. It's a really small group, a really key bunch of individual photographers and they're just we just have a great group we don't really have all the we don't have the drama and the infighting I'm I'm in a bunch of other groups uh not a bunch I'm in a few other groups that I have that I try to have time for not just the one I host and uh it's it's a little bit um it gets a little bit tiring uh listening and reading all the drama and the comments and and when somebody gets their feelings hurt or you know it's just a lot of, uh, seems like a lot of infighting going on in some of these groups. And luckily so far, I know it's going to happen because it always does, but luckily so far, we really haven't had anything like that happen in our group. But like I said, we're just a small core group of pretty high end photographers and we have some beginners in there. We have everybody in there and everybody's so nice and cordial, but you know, we actually keep it real, you know, when it comes to people's uh, photos, even mine, you know, I ask for CC on mine in there too. And, uh, people are very nice, but you know, they give you stuff to help you grow as an artist. And that's what 
CC should be about. That's what critiquing your photos should be about. Not ripping you apart and making you feel bad, but actually uh, giving you some key points to help build you up. So anyway, uh, if you would like to be a member of Photo Junkie uh, on Facebook, uh, just uh, send a request and uh, I'll approve it. And you can join us in there and uh, take part in all the fun that we have in there. Uh, With that being said, uh, I want to, uh, I have to give a shout out to our, what we we do have a contest in there on on a monthly basis. So one photo is picked per month to be hosted at the top banner. Uh, the top banner on uh, on Photo Junkie. So if you have the the photo that's chosen at the end of the month for the new month, then your photo will be he- will be the banner for the group for the month. It's just a little fun thing I try to do to uh, make it a little bit more interesting. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Mr. Ray Lopez, our group member, Mr. Ray Lopez, uh, from New York City. Uh, he, he is the November 2014 uh, banner winner. And uh, his beautiful shot of Times Square is just absolutely breathtaking. When he first came into the group, he posted that image. And man, I was really, really, really blown away uh, by his uh, cityscape because it's actually uh, kind of what I would, you know, it's kind of the photography I'm looking at, you know, trying to, uh, get better at myself. And, uh, so, uh, it was, uh, it was just, a, it's an amazing image. And, uh, the group voted that image to be the one that was chosen as the November banner winner of the month for photo junkie. And let's see. I also wanted to touch base on second place who was Guy Rochelle, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling through. Give me just a second. Uh, yeah, Rochelle Cochran. Cochran, yeah, I believe uh, it's how you pronounce Rochelle's last name. And she's a new group member, too. And uh, she's all the way from Down Under in Australia. And uh, she's been a very uh, great addition to the group as well. Um, Paige Hackett, um, you know, she's there. We have Eric Carr, Donna Paul, um, Ben Alder is a newer guy that's posting some stuff up for some, uh, CC, uh, Eric Carr out of my old hometown, Lubbock, Texas with some amazing composites on there. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, we just have a lot of fun in there. So Matt Blue Jay and his amazing HDR photography. Uh, again, Ray Lopez is a bunch of stuff in there. We have Chris Baylor who shoots a lot of, uh, sports cars, formula one, uh, in Dallas, uh, Tim Thompson's a newer guy in there. Uh, he's got some amazing landscape stuff. So, uh, and then we have the amazing, uh, miss Holly Smith Davis. Uh, she does a lot of family portraiture and stuff and she's very good with post-production, but still keeping her images looking very authentic and real and not over shopped. Uh, so anyway, again, one more time, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Mr. Ray Lopez from New York City and his amazing image of Times Square. And uh, second place, Miss Rochelle Cochran. She had a very amazing photo uh, of uh, a bunch of hot air balloons 
and they were getting ready to take off. And it really reminded me of a vintage ad uh, from like the 70s or 80s, the way she did it. It had a little bit of noise in it still, which so many photographers freak out over, but I really thought it made it a very authentic looking uh, old magazine type ad uh, photo. And so I really liked that photo. So this month myself, I was really torn between those two photos. I love the Times Square, but then uh, I love the balloon photo too. So I really had a hard time choosing which one to vote for. So anyway, uh, join us in Photo Junkie and uh, post some of your best pictures up there. And if one of yours is chosen, you will be the banner winner of the month. Come 2015, January, I'm actually going to be trying to I'm reaching out and trying to get some prizes together, maybe like some Amazon gift cards, uh, you know, maybe some little photo gifts or something like that for the for the group member uh, of the month that wins. So uh, if you win banner of the month, hopefully you'll win a little prize. So that's in the future. Hopefully uh, that's what I've got in the works. It's what I'm working on. It may not happen, but I'm uh, really pushing to try to find some sponsors or, you know, somebody that will, uh, you know, that will work with me on that. All right, guys. So we're, that's enough of a, uh, that's enough of the photo junkie. Um, now we're going to discuss a burning topic that is actually came up in the photo group is where I came up with it. A lot of stuff that I come up with, I have to come up with on the web and stuff. And I always look to my photo group, uh, to, uh, you know, see what we're discussing and maybe we meant that we might not actually completely agree on. And we were talking a lot last week about post-production and over photoshopping photos. And, uh, you know, there's photographers like myself that does commercial work. And, and a lot of times I don't have to edit it. Thank God. Uh, they have their own professional editors that they want editing. As long as I can get where they want to be with uh, straight out of the camera, then they'll turn the photos out. You know, I'll give them the stuff and I'll turn all the photos over and then they turn the photos over to their editors. I've had a couple of clients that uh, wanted to, uh, wanted me to edit or find editors to have it edited. So I'll usually farm it out to a couple of editors that I know if it's something for a very high end client, but then a lot of today's photographers, I mean, I'm pretty proficient in Photoshop myself, so it's not like I'm a slouch. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm pretty proficient at, but I just, I try to keep my photos pretty uh, clean, I guess. Uh, I don't over, I try not to overshop them. I try not to make the skin look plasticky. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, I don't find appealing in photographers work sometimes when they've uh, spent way too much time on the image in Photoshop. So I just want to say that uh, on that topic is, you know, guys, um, don't stop painting over your images so much. I was in another photo group, ask my photographers a couple of weeks ago or no, about a week ago, actually. And, um, there was a girl in there that I guess was new to the group and she posted two absolutely beautiful, amazing photos. They were absolutely stunning. And her, her uh, question when she posted these photos were, were, I've been looking at these photos for hours. I've been looking at them all day long and I'm just wondering, are these worth salvaging or should I just trash them and start over? 
And like every single person in the group, including myself, were like, oh my God, these photos are absolutely amazing. And that is a perfect case of an artist who has taken photos and she's completely overthinking the photos. I mean, they were absolutely stunning. There was nothing wrong with the photos at all. Like the only bad comment that came in was what the model in one of the photos, the model's foot looked too long. And that was just due to the, uh, you know, the angle that she took the photo. It kind of, it kind of gave it like an illusion that she had like a clown foot or something. But other than that, the photos were just absolutely perfect. Uh, I didn't really see anything at all with the photos that were that was wrong. And just the simple fact that she was looking at the photos at the fact that maybe she just trash them was a, a, it was a dead giveaway that she's just completely overthinking her work. And there's so many photographers these days that are overthinking their work. They're just, they think they've got to keep photos. You know, what's wrong? What do I need to do in Photoshop now? What do I need? What does it need now? And sometimes it don't need anything. It's beautiful the way it is. And that's one of the things that sometimes I actually miss about the older, photo, you know, the old print days uh, is as much work as it was uh, to uh, shoot on film. Uh, you know, you kind of there was some things you could do with your photos, uh, but, you know, they kind of, you know, you kind of had to make sure you, you got it right in camera. And nowadays people are more worried about creating a photo than taking a photo. You know, they're not so much worried about, you know, uh, what they're doing with a photo because whatever they mess up, they're going to fix it in post. And I just think that's the wrong mentality. I mean, I'm not, it's not necessarily wrong. Uh, I just think you should take more care of what you're doing when you're taking the photos instead of relying on Photoshop. One thing that I've never, I never say is, and when I hear a photographer say it, or if I hear somebody say, I see it on, <laughs> I've seen it on forums and different things. And a photographer will say, oh, I'll just fix it in Photoshop. And if you're saying, I'll just fix it in Photoshop, you should really reevaluate what you're doing because that is not the mentality to have as a professional photographer, in my own opinion. And, and just keep, just keep in mind, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers of anybody out there. Everything that I'm saying is opinion based and you are have every right in the world to disagree with me. It's just my opinions. Everything on this show are my opinions. And the next thing we're going to get to is a hot topic in my group. And there's several photographers in my group that do not agree with me. And, um, that's absolutely fine. But, uh, I'm just going to give my own opinion on this and, uh, what I think about it. And, uh, you can agree to disagree, but the burning topic just like Nikon and Canon, one of the burning topics as a photographer, is, and I hear it all the time, should I shoot RAW or should I shoot JPEG? <clears throat> so I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, and uh, it's probably not what the norm is. I would say it's probably not what uh, most um, these days are preaching. I would say most of the gurus. Sorry about that. I had to take a drink of water. Um, yeah, most of the gurus out there, uh, you know, you have like, you have guys like Jared Poland from Froatnotesphotos.com. You know, he's made a whole, um, 
he's made a whole uh, campaign about just shooting raw. Uh, you know, he his T-shirts, I shoot raw, I shoot raw. And he was one of the guy, first guys to really uh, come out and start saying that, you know, you should be shooting raw, that everybody should be shooting raw and only raw and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I really respect Jared on a lot of his, a lot of, of what he says, but it's funny because I've never agreed with him on this topic and him and I, him and I have actually had some discourse on this topic and, uh, on his, uh, you know, in the comments and stuff on a couple of his videos and he usually doesn't, he, he won't stay with it. You know, when people start going, man, what are you talking about? You just shoot raw, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he will not, which I don't blame him. He gets a lot of probably, you know, hundreds of people coming at him all the time. So I completely understand why he doesn't want to argue the point of why just to shoot raw. Um, but I will say that, um, I shoot raw when necessary. But with that being said, I also don't find it always necessary to shoot raw. Uh, if I'm shooting for a client, then yes, uh, you know, uh, I will probably shoot raw when I'm shoot. I have a wedding to shoot Sunday and, uh, I will shoot raw or I'm probably going to, I may, I'm not sure which camera I'm going to use. Uh, if I use my D 700, then, you know, it's just a CF card and, uh, those will all be raw files. If I use one of my other cameras with a dual card slot, then I'll shoot JPEG in one and raw in the other. Um, and what, what, why do I even bother to shoot JPEG? Well, it may, you know, it could be a bad habit that I picked up, but when I started shooting digital photography, uh, on digital DSLRs was my first camera, which was a DCS 315 back in 1999. And, um, with that camera, if there's other photographers out there that know these cameras like I do. And, uh, if you owned one of these old Kodak DSLRs, uh, they were super expensive. Like the DS, the DCS 720, which is what I really wanted was a two megapixel camera. And it was 10 grand, but I had the, the cheaper DCS 315, but those cameras, you got Kodak software with the cameras and I had Photoshop 3.0 back then, but, um, you, you got this, uh, Kodak software that came with a camera and it was basically kind of like camera raw, but the only thing those cameras would shoot were, were, uh, TIFF files. You couldn't even shoot in JPEG on those cameras. And so it was an absolute pain in the butt to transfer those photos. Uh, you had to open them up in the Kodak software. You couldn't even open them up in Photoshop. So you had to open up, open them up in this antiquated crappy Kodak software and, uh, you can make some adjustments just like camera raw. And then you would have to save it as a JPEG and push it into Photoshop. So as soon as it went into Photoshop, the only way you could open it in Photoshop was to make it a JPEG. So, you know, and I knew tons of other photographers out there that were using, you know, Kodaks as well. And they were putting, you know, they were making, uh, you know, 
you could see their their ads on all over the internet, uh, some in magazines and everything else. And so we were all converting our images to JPEG. Uh, yeah, there was a little, there was a lot of moaning and groaning about it too. You know that you couldn't keep a raw file uh, in Photoshop and blah blah blah. So that's when uh, that's when I started converting my images to JPEG was. You know, when I had to open them up in Photoshop, if I wanted to do anything with them in Photoshop, the only way to open them was to convert them to JPEG. Uh, uh, you had to open them as a t- in the TIFF file in the Kodak software, save it as a JPEG, adjust. You could do your adjustments if your exposure was off, just like Camera Raw. Uh, you could do some, but there was like four sliding bars. It wasn't near as extensive as what you have in Camera Raw. It was literally, you could adjust exposure, contrast, saturation, and... I think shadows and that was it and it really didn't do a whole lot and then after that if you really wanted to do something with it you had to save it as a JPEG and then once it was a JPEG then you could open it up in Photoshop and really do something with it Uh, so that's kind of when I got used to JPEG and then in 2000 when I bought my Nikon D1 well, that camera would actually shoot JPEG, and it was a absolute relief that I could just shoot in-camera JPEGs and no longer have to deal with those pain-in-the-ass TIFF files that I got from the Kodak. And uh, so I was absolutely ecstatic. And uh, the other thing I can tell you is with the Nikon D1, I think it was, gosh... I don't have the specs in front of me, but I'm trying to remember. I think that camera was 2.7 megapixels, and I think it would do 4.5 frames per second, if I remember correctly. And um, those things were five grand. They were five grand when they came out, and um, I think it would. I think it would do 4.5 frames per second in JPEG. Now, if you if you Turn that camera, and I was doing a lot of sports when I had that camera. I was shooting sideline football. I was shooting uh, some stuff for the Fort Worth Star Telegram. I was shooting a lot of action stuff, and shooting that Nikon D1. If you if you shot in RAW, you would fill the buffer up immediately. You'd basically blast off like whatever, how many ever shots it would take, like four or five, and then the buffer would be full. So you'd have to wait for the buffer to buffer the shots so you could shoot again. Well, I can tell you, uh, you would miss a lot of the action, especially if you were shooting football, uh, uh, kids sports or any, you know, anything like that was fast action and moving. You blast off four pictures and then wait for 12 seconds for it to buffer. Hey there, you just missed a whole lot of action. So I predominantly shot that camera in JPEG and I actually shot a couple of things with that camera and that became magazine ads that were on major magazine ads and they were all shot in JPEG. Okay, and here we go. Another thing I have and have worked for some major clients, major clients, like uh, big, big clients. And one thing I always put in when we're when we're going through contract negotiations for a shoot or what they expect, what their requirements are. Do they want the images delivered in raw or do they want them uh or do they want the images in JPEG? And you would be astonished at how many commercial clients don't want to deal with raw files. 
they want them in JPEG. So usually what I'll do is I'll shoot uh, double. I'll shoot raw and I'll shoot JPEG. I'll throw them all in Lightroom. I'll pull the JPEGs out, dump them all, batch, batch them uh, into Photoshop. But I always keep the raw file just as a backup or in case exposure was off or something like that. And very seldom do I ever use the raw files ever. They just sit on a, on a, they just sit on a disc that is an external taking up space because usually I can do anything I need to do with the JPEG. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, the one thing you can do with the raw files is if you have some shadows and stuff like that, and you know, you can't really see any detail, uh, for, because of the shadows too dark, you know, you can throw the, you can throw the raw file in camera raw, or you can put it in Photoshop and you can bring those shadows out so you can actually see what's under those shadows. That's something you can't do with a JPEG. Uh, you know, the, you know, bigger, they say bigger is always better. So you're going to get a lot more information with a raw file. That's one of the pros to shooting or shooting a raw is you get every bit of the data for that image. It's not compressed by the camera. So yes, there's so you can do quite a bit more with the image if you shoot it in raw compared to if you shoot it in JPEG. With that being said, if you know what you're doing when you're shooting an image, then you should be able to, you know, get the image very close to the proper exposure and stuff that you shouldn't have to do a whole, whole lot to it. Uh, but, um, you know, I see a lot of beginners starting out shooting JPEG because they don't understand raw files. And that's why a lot of beginners just pick JPEG because they kind of understand what JPEGs are. It's kind of the normal, it's the normal thing. Well, the funny thing is, is that's kind of the complete wrong mentality. Uh, when you're first starting out, I would actually recommend you shoot raw because if you don't properly expose your image or if you blow out the highlights or you blow out the sky, you can actually, uh, a lot of times salvage a photo in camera raw, uh, because you shot a raw file. Uh, so, you know, for beginners, yeah, I think, you know, if you're shooting anything important, if it's not just hobby stuff, but if it's something that's important to you, uh, yeah, you probably should actually shoot in raw as much as you can and really learn raw. Uh, if you're an older pro like I am, uh, I don't want to deal, you know, I have a, a, I have a older Mac now. It's a 2011 model and, uh, it was, man, it was the, the top of the line, 27 inch, one terabyte, uh, 16 gigs of Ram, one terabyte hard drive, 16 gigs of Ram. It was the, uh, cat's meow when I bought it. And I remember when I bought that Mac thinking I would never fill up that one. It would take me years and years to fill up that one terabyte drive. Well, I would never fill it up. You know, I just use externals. Well, I can tell you that, uh, it's taken years to fill it up, but it just seems like it was a blink of an eye, but, uh, it's full and I can't upgrade it. So now I'm at the point of, I love it. You know, I don't really, <clears throat> if it wasn't for the hard drive being full, I don't really see any reason to upgrade, but because the hard drive's full, I can't, um, I can't even upgrade. The, I can't upgrade the operating system. Uh, there's so many things I can't do. So, and I've got thousands of dollars worth of software on this computer. I've got pro tools. I've got final cut pro seven, final cut pro 10. 
uh, all the complete Adobe suite, um, just, uh, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of software on this computer. And I don't even want to even think about having to move it to another computer and starting over. It's just overwhelming to me, but I mean, that's where I am right now because the the heart, the internal is full. So what I keep having to do is move stuff around, move stuff to, uh, to an external from the internal. And it's just a huge pain in the butt. Well, when you shoot raw files, they're huge compared to JPEG. And when you shoot as many photos as I do on a continuous basis as a full-time photographer, um, it doesn't take long to fill up disk. I filled a one terabyte external up in no time. And I've literally been going back through all of my disk. I have three, three externals and I've been going through all of my externals, deleting, 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 deleting files and, or, or, you know, pictures that, that, you know, at one time I thought they were keepers. I go back through now and look and I go, okay, you know what? That, that I can let it go. So I've been spending hours doing this and it's a total pain in the butt. So now what I look at is buying another freaking new iMac to get like a four terabyte internal and then buy a rack, the G, what is it? The G shock or G something rack that you can get like four terabytes. Those are G shock. I can't remember what the, the name of those uh, really nice, uh, external hard drives are, but you can get them in a four terabyte now and you can actually put them in a little rack and they're, it's a really nice setup. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at now. I kind of had something like that, uh, before with Western digital externals. And when my gallery and office was broken into in Long Beach, uh, along with my Mac, brand new MacBook pro, uh, all that stuff got stolen. So I've never replaced it. It was, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars and uh, I've just never actually replaced it. And uh, I need to do that. And that's kind of where I'm at now with the crossroads. But uh, again, shooting raw, you're going to use a lot more space on your hard drive, on your card, on your internal card. You're going to need bigger cards because you're going to fill your cards up. You're going to need more cards because you're going to fill your cards up because those raw files are going to be a lot bigger. Uh, so there's definitely pros and cons to shooting raw and shooting JPEG. Um, when I'm shooting for myself and just shooting fun for stuff for fun, I almost always just shoot JPEG. Uh, there's no reason for me to be shooting raw files. Uh, you know, yeah, you can, you know, if you can do a little bit more, I'm getting ready to do some really serious landscape stuff. So I will probably shoot those raw, uh, so I can really, uh, have all of the, uh, have all of the, the stuff that I might want when it comes to doing post as far as shadows and stuff, bringing shadows out. Uh, but, um, you know, most of the time, if I'm just shooting for fun, it's going to be JPEG. I've done tons of lookbook stuff. I've done tons of product photography and I can tell you almost every single time those clients always want those images in JPEG. Um, so, you know, you can shoot them in raw, batch them all to JPEG, or you can just shoot them in JPEG. If you're in a studio and you're shooting them, you're shooting everything right. I don't know why you need a raw file. Uh, if you're screwing up on your exposures and you don't know how to light a set, then yeah, you definitely do need, uh, you definitely probably need to shoot in a raw so you can, 
you know, bring stuff back if you have to, but, you know, doing product photography, doing, uh, tons of stuff like that is, uh, it's, I've done tons and tons of it and just shot in JPEG, but I do always make a, you know, I always ask a client, do you want these in JPEG or do you want the raw files? If they're paying me for the original, for their files, uh, and almost all the time, they, a lot of times they want JPEGs if they're just, you know, like I said, lookbook stuff for websites for uh, product photography that's going to go on a website and stuff like that. They don't necessarily need a raw file. If you're doing like an ad campaign, uh, like uh, I'm working on this weekend, that thing's being shot by Hasselblad and all of those files are going to be raw. So there's two different, there's two different spectrums there, <clears throat> two different spectrums there. And, uh, I definitely think that, you know, there's still a place to be shooting JPEG if you're shooting casually or shooting for fun or if you're a hobbyist or stuff, you know, something like that. And if you're not shooting, you know, huge high end clients, um, you know, I know a lot of people that are shooting, uh, like Holly Smith Davis in our photo junkie group, she's doing a lot of photography, uh, for like uh, family photos and stuff, a lot of family portraiture, a lot of, um, you know, things like that. And she's doing a lot of really cool post-production to those photos. So yeah, you know, she can get a, a, she can get where she needs to be a lot of times in shooting raw with camera raw. She can, you know, make a photo. She can do the edit just right there in camera raw and, uh, she's got it and it's ready to print. So I completely understand that. Uh, you can never go wrong with having everything, and, uh, when you shoot raw, you have everything, you have all the information, uh, you have a bigger bit file, uh, then it's, and it's not compressed and all that stuff is, is, is what shooting JPEG takes away from an image because it's compressing it. But if you're just putting it on the web, nobody's ever going to know. I could tell you, I could tell you, you come into my studio, anybody, this is a challenge. Come into me. Let me take a, let me take four photos and I'll take two of them in raw and I'll take two of them JPEG and I'll edit them and then I'll give them to you and you tell me which ones are which. Nobody can know. Nobody would ever know. So, you know, as long as you're you're pretty much on point in taking your photos and you're not doing a lot of things wrong by really underexposing, uh, you know, I don't necessarily believe that you have to have those JPEG, those raw files or those images shot in raw. But if you want to shoot them in raw, put them in camera raw, edit them, that's your prerogative. It's totally your call. But I don't think the the bottom line here is I don't think it's wrong or right to shoot in either one. If you want to shoot in JPEG, I don't think you're wrong. If you want to shoot in raw, I don't think you're wrong. I think either one serves their purpose. So there's so many of these photographers out there these days, these new digital age photographers that they're just like Jared Poland. Oh, you got to shoot raw. You got to shoot raw. You got to shoot raw. Let me tell you something. I know a very, very, very high end photographer that's at the top of his game. One of the most famous uh, commercial photographers in the world right now, he shoots a lot of JPEG, a lot, a lot of JPEG. He shoots a lot of aerial stuff, uh, aerial clothing stuff and clothing brands. And he shoots a lot of that stuff in JPEG. 
I know this for a fact because he's 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 admitted that he shoots a lot of JPEG uh, because he gets this question a lot and he actually did a blog post about it a couple of years ago and he's like man I shoot JPEG anytime I get it you know anytime I I can that I you know I don't have to shoot raw uh, and and I'm kind of on that same I'm in that same line of thinking so if you want to shoot raw more power to you you want to shoot JPEG more power to you. Is it wrong to shoot JPEG? Should you just shoot raw? Not necessarily. It's all up to you on what you want to do, but you can, you know, I've shot, uh, images for some major stuff and I never told anybody that I shot it in JPEG. Nobody ever knew it went to the client. It was printed out, did whatever they wanted to do with it. Nobody ever had a clue. It was JPEG. And, uh, it's funny because you go into these photo groups and people want to know, did you shoot that in raw? Well, if you'd have shot that raw, you could actually done something with it. Well, let me tell you something. You can do a lot with it as a JPEG. You can do a lot with it as post and JPEG. If you lose something, if you have some major shadows that you have to bring out or something, yeah, you're going to, you're crippling yourself with JPEG, uh, because you're not going to be able to get that back in a JPEG, which you could in a raw file. Totally understand that. But anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's my thoughts on JPEG or raw. Uh, I took a little bit more time than I expected to on that, but man, you can really get me on a, get me, uh, get me going on these, some of these questions that I've been listening to for years and years and years and years. Uh, and that's one of them I've been listening about for years and years and years and years. And usually I just keep quiet about it. I don't even really say anything about it. You know, people ask me, did you shoot JPEG or do you shoot raw? I'm like, well, you know, I just shoot what I need to, you know, I don't really take a stand and say, Hey, I shoot JPEG a lot, a whole, whole lot. So, and it does, I mean, it doesn't mean you're lazy. It just means that's what's going to serve your purpose at the time. So anyway, guys, if you want to shoot JPEG, shoot JPEG. If you want to shoot raw, shoot raw. Just take pictures and have fun. If you're getting paid a lot of money, you might want to shoot raw just to be on the safe side. That's the bottom line. Okay, on to the next uh, order. Uh, let's see, what else are we going to talk about today? Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, just announced, or just not just announced, just actually has come out. Uh, the... This, I told you, I promised you Canon guys some information, so <laughs> there's not a lot here. I don't have a lot of information on it, but I can tell you Canon guys, the Canon 7D uh, Mark, what is it? The Canon 7D Mark II just came out, uh, and everything that I've heard about the camera, people are as ecstatic over it. The one thing I was confused about the camera a little bit is it's a crop sensor. But then, you know, I probably need to do a podcast on crop sensor versus full frame sensor because I own both cameras. Uh, you know, I've owned a crop sensor for ever since digital SLRs come out. I don't feel handicapped by having a crop sensor. So, you know, uh, but anyway, the 7D, the new Canon 7D is out. I haven't held one. I haven't seen one. I've seen a lot of people with them already. Uh, and I haven't really got to do any uh read any reviews, but I have seen some of the people that have already purchased them and boy, they are really excited about this camera. And I can say I do have experience with the older 7D, the original, and it is an amazing camera. 
Yeah, the old 7D, uh, the Canon 7D, it came out in 2009, and I believe they were about 1700 bucks when they come out, and uh, they are an absolutely pristine piece of equipment, especially for shooting video, which is what I've shot with them. Uh, they're just a great camera, and you can actually pick one of the older 7Ds up now for five or $600 used, and that is a great camera. Great, great camera. Uh, so I'm sure if they've improved on the 7D, then it's going to be an amazing, amazing piece of equipment. So there you go, Canon guys. Uh, you might want to get out there and, uh, or you might want to try to rent one and see what you think of them. But, you know, I love the old 7D and I'm a Nikon guy. So it's just a great camera. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I wanted to say that, uh, I'm actually looking for guests for the podcast. I'm trying to line guests up. So if you're interested, if you're a photographer or if you know somebody in the industry or if you take photos, even, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to be anybody, uh, really, really special. You can be just one of our photo group members or, you know, uh, just have some question for me or anything you, uh, I'm trying to get hopefully within the next month by next month for sure I will have software maybe here in the next couple of weeks I will have some software so I can record phone conversations so if you want to call in and uh, interview I can actually interview like that instead of having to actually sit down with you to interview you so if you're one of the photo junkie group members if you want to be on the podcast if you have something you want to plug if you're working on something maybe you've got a gallery opening or something and you want to be on the podcast hit me up at ravholly at gmail.com let me know you'd like to be a guest and i'll try to get you into a slot i'm also trying to i've moved everything over to the laptop to make everything mobile so if i want to go to la or if i want to go to australia and uh, do the podcast i can just take everything with me and uh do the podcast pack everything up and take it on the road with me which uh, i really couldn't with the 27 inch imac which was what i originally was uh producing the podcast with so uh there you go with that uh let's see i believe uh, i've touched base on pretty much everything uh yeah i'm looking at my points here yeah i do i have said i do have a commercial shoot that uh I'm supposed to be there at 11 a.m. and it's almost 3 a.m. now and I have to be there for rehearsal. So I'm probably going to go ahead and just start wrapping this up. It's a little bit plainer podcast than I've had in the past, but I think that's the way these are going to be when it's just me talking and I don't have a guest on the show. Uh, Hopefully, though, in the near future, uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'll have another guest on the show, hopefully. Uh, I do want to touch base really quick. Uh, I've been getting some questions on why do I podcast? What's the deal with a podcast? Is podcast popular? You know, cause I've really been pushing mine since I started it. And I think a lot of people are confused about it. And, uh, you know, the thing I love about it so far is I'm going to make this really quick the thing. I love about it so far is when I started in photography, when I started in digital photography, for sure. In the late nineties, early two thousand. Um, I, I jumped on the digital bandwagon right away, right away. Cause I really love the, the whole idea of taking a picture, taking it out and being able to put it in a computer instead of having to get it developed or developing it yourself in a dark room, which was a lot of work and a lot of waiting. And, uh, so I right away jumped on the digital bandwagon. Well, in those days, 
every single photographer out there, if you're on the sideline of a football game, it didn't matter where you were. But I can tell you in 2000, 2002, 2003, every photographer, even 2004 probably, every five even, every photographer in the world would tell you that this was the line you would get over and over and over again. Digital will never take the place of print, of film. Well, well, you've kind of seen that was completely wrong. And uh, I was kind of a maverick out there by myself with my digital SLR. And I kind of felt like somebody. And then when digital started getting a little bit more popular, we kind of felt like a little click. You know, there was the print photographer, the the film photographers, and then you had the, the, the newer people that were on the, the digital bandwagon. Uh, the other thing about those days is everybody and their dog wasn't a photographer. We were just a, we were like a little click, you know what I mean? There was a lot of photographers in the world, but it wasn't so oversaturated like it is now. So we were kind of few and far between. There was few of us. Uh, now there's gazillions, you know, then there was just a million. Uh, but now there's li- literally gazillions, gazillions of photographers. Yeah, I don't even know how many photography Facebook pages there are, but there has to be millions. When I was on the old MySpace with my RAV Photography MySpace page back in the day, uh, 2005, I guess, 2004, 2005, there was probably maybe 100 on MySpace. And out of that 100, only about 10 of them were good real legitimate looking photography MySpace pages. So I felt, you know, I mean, you got a lot of attention on MySpace back in those days when you had a really nice, well-designed MySpace page for photography. And uh, it kind of made you feel special. You kind of made you feel like you were in a little click. It kind of made you feel like you were doing something that everybody else wasn't doing. Well, in the last 10 years, that's completely changed, I could tell you. Uh, now it's nothing really special. There's so many photographers. You go into like one of these, the bigger CC groups on uh, Facebook. There's literally thousands of photographers on in those groups. There's just thousands, millions, it's not thousands. It's millions of photographers on Facebook. So, uh, you know, it's kind of lost its luster, I guess. You know, it's not, you don't really feel too special like you used to uh, when you tell somebody that you're a photographer. With that being said, that's what I love about the podcast. Because it reminds me of those days when I was doing something that everybody else wasn't doing. Now, granted, there's thousands of people podcasting, but I know in my circle of friends and I have uh, of all the people on my Facebook, which is about 3,500 friends. And out of those 3,500, I probably know 100 to 200 of them personally. Uh, Out of all those people, I know one other person that's a podcaster. And that's uh, my good buddy, Jose, and his podcast is called Hooray for Jose. And uh, I had actually talked to him about podcasting and wanting to do a podcast a couple of years ago, probably two and a half, three years ago. Uh, we were swimming one day. Uh, he has got a, he's got a swimming pool. And I was all telling him all about I wanted to do a podcast. And uh, we were talking about Joe Rogan's podcast because he was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. So we were both kind of talking about like we would love to do a podcast. Lo and behold, this guy comes up and does his does a podcast before I did. And then he invited me on his podcast. And when I went over to his place and saw his podcast studio and how he had everything set up, it completely gave me the confidence to do it myself. Plus I was on the radio show called uh 
the barbecue show, which is a world famous barbecue show. Once I, I did those really quick in sequence, I did the barbecue show. Then I did a uh, hooray for Jose's podcast. And, uh, once I did that, you know, I kind of got a feel for the whole thing. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is, I'm going to do it. And I'd already put it in my mind three or four years ago in 2009 that I was going to do it. It's just taken me this long to get here. But that's one thing I love about the podcast is because, you know, just 10 years ago, you know, in the 90s, I had a friend of mine, Michelle Rodriguez, who was on uh, one of the big country western stations in Dallas. And she was the overnight DJ. And, you know, you had to go to broadcast. I think she went to broadcasting school. You know, if you wanted to to talk and get your message out there or, you know, if you wanted to be a, a personality, basically a DJ personality, the only way to do it was through getting on the radio, you know, starting out on a graveyard shift, overnight shift on a radio station where nobody was listening to you, trying to get people listening to you and trying to get a better slot for a daytime slot for, the, for a job. Today, we live in an amazing time because kind of like digital photos are, you know, instant, you can take a photo anytime. Now you can actually produce your own show. You can do your own show. You don't have to get anybody's permission. You don't have to go to broadcasting school. You don't have to uh, do any of those things like you used to. Now, granted, just like some of us old or some of the old photographers are very bitter about the influx and the, the complete oversaturation of the market with all the newer photographers that are pouring into it every single day. And I have gotten a little bit on that better side at times, but you know, Hey, it's an art and I'm just glad everybody can enjoy it. But I can tell you even all the way up to like, uh, on the flip side, all the way up to like broadcasters and, and radio personalities like Howard Stern. And they, a lot of these people don't like us podcasters because they feel, you know, there's a lot of podcasters out there saying, you know, podcasting is going to kill talk radio. It's going to, uh, you know, change the market. Uh, people are not going to be listening to the radio that much for talk radio, which I already say that was, is the case. Uh, and then you have major radio personalities who are doing their podcast and their podcast is more popular than their actual radio show or they're turning their radio shows into podcasts. So I just feel like podcasting is just, it's the, it's the beginning of it. I think uh, it could go a really long way. I don't know how successful I'm going to be at it. I'm just having fun with it right now. Uh, and, uh, I don't really plan on it ever to be like my living. I know there's several people out there teaching podcasting, uh, and, uh, stuff to actually, um, uh, to actually, Guy, uh, make a living at podcasting, which is very hard to do unless you have a really big audience. Um, let's see, there's Rich Clavencliff. I can't remember his name. Let's see. Let me think. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Rich. Uh, there's a gentleman out there. I wanted to plug his podcast. But anyway, it's called Podcast Answer Man, and um, I think uh, it's Rich Rich Ravencliff. I can't think of his name right now, and my computer's running slow. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, he's got a, he's got a website called PodcastAnswerMan.com, and uh, I've poured Rich yeah, Cliff Ravencraft. That's his name, Cliff Ravencraft. Craft, and he's probably one of the major podcast gurus out there right now. And I really looked at his stuff when, uh, 
when I, uh, when I was thinking about doing the podcast and I actually, uh, looked at his stuff and subscribed to his podcast, listened to a bunch of stuff because he's actually teaching you how to podcast. So those are the people really that are really making it in podcasting. And on the flip side of that, that's a lot of what the people are doing to make it in photography these days. Uh, they're not so much making pic- making pictures or making money uh, making pictures. They're making money doing workshops, teaching photography, teaching technique, teaching, uh, composite, you know, different things in photography. So that's a whole new market. And I think a lot of people, I see even new, newer photographies. If you haven't been doing photography for more than two years to me, you're just a greenhorn newbie and there's nothing more head scratching to me. I don't care how brilliant your photography is. I don't care if it's helmet Newton brilliant, but if you're out there you've only been a photographer for two years and you got the balls to do a workshop and start teaching photography. That just completely cheapens it for me. I've been doing this for going on 20 years and I don't even, I've never done a workshop. I don't know that I feel confident that I should be teaching photography. If somebody wants to teach photography, it should be somebody like Chase Jarvis, Joe McNally, you know, these people that are at the top of their game and have been at the top of their game for years, making good money doing photography. Um, my good buddy, uh, Jay Bartlett, you know, he's a high end commercial photographer shooting medium format phase one cameras. He's got a workshop. That's a workshop that I would go to. That's a workshop that you should go to. Uh, and Jay's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, in, in the field of photography in LA, he's a, uh, you know, he's at the top of that game. You know, that's the kind of person that you should go to for a workshop. Now, granted, I think his workshops are about $1,200, but then that's, that's the kind of workshop you want to go to because somebody's going to really have some really good keen advice on what you should do and how you can make it and how you can become a very successful photographer. You're not going to learn all of that from somebody who just picked up a camera two years ago and just figured it all out six months ago. Um, so, you know, I see a lot of photographers out there that are advancing very fast and that's where photography is these days. It's not near as hard as it used to be. Uh, you can pick up a camera and I've seen people pick up a camera and within two or three months they're killing it. You know, it didn't used to be like that. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I just don't understand these people that, they're really not experts themselves, but they're out there teaching workshops. But then that's another thing with photography is people I've noticed people are very much more comfortable with people, other people that are more amateur. If they're really good people that the, the, the real amateurs will really gravitate, uh, uh, they'll really gravitate to the people that are really good, good doing really amazing photography that hasn't been doing it very long than somebody that's been a photographer for 15 or 20 years because I guess they're intimidated by them. So you see a lot of that in the groups too, because like you'll see a photographer in there, you look at his stuff and he's been shooting since the eighties and he's giving advice and the whole room will take advice from the kid who's 22 years old, but she's making really pretty pictures. She's not really selling her pictures. She's working at target but she makes pretty pictures. So everybody wants to hear everything she's got to say. And the guy that's actually been running a studio in Sheboygan, Wisconsin for 20 years, nobody wants to hear what he's got to say because he's outdated or something. I don't know. That's kind of the new, uh, the new, um, 
the new generation of photographers, I guess. And you know, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I'm kind of puzzled by it. Uh, we're running on 107. I usually try to keep this to an hour. We're an hour and seven minutes. I didn't mean to take it for it to go this long, but kind of got long-winded tonight after I was actually going to wrap it up really quick. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up. It's almost 3 a.m., so I just want to thank everybody again for listening. Get a long, little long-winded sometimes, but that's why I'm podcasting because I guess I got a lot to say. So anyway, uh, thank you again for listening to uh, Images Everything. Again, I'm your host, Rav Holly. And I hope you have a good evening, day, or night. And we'll see you next uh, Thursday at 3 p.m. Hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be moving my podcast from Lipson uh, over to Podbean because they have unlimited uh, space. And I won't have to worry about actually going over because I can only keep my podcast right around an hour uh, because I only get 250 megabytes of space with Lipson. So something I'm going to be uh, trying to get the podcast over to another service, another server. So anyway, guys, thank you again for listening. Please check out my uh, photo group, Photo Junkie uh, on Facebook. Uh, Check out my YouTube channel. Uh, check me out on Rav Holly on YouTube. Check out my website, ravholly.com. Hit me up on Twitter. If you don't agree with anything I say, let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Facebook. And uh, anyway, that's going to conclude this episode seven of Images Everything. Have a great day, guys. I'm <laughs> sorry.